so yeah i mean the, the beauty of it was the uh my kids put a toilet paper you know finish line across the street for me so it's the first time i've broken the tape in a marathon and actually won one um which is quite cool and that's the memory that will live with me i mean it was just a brilliant moment the toilet paper was in very high demand at the time as well i think we rolled it back, <laughs> yeah. rolled it back up and used it because there wasn't there wasn't much on the shelves shelves in sydney sorry everyone. so we didn't sorry. waste it <laughs> we didn't waste that toilet paper we made sure we took it back home with us Kia ora koutou. That was Andrew Hayden. I'm Matt Raymond. I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio. Interesting conversations with interesting runners. Hey Eugene bro, do you know what the difference between blackberries and blackcurrants is? No. Blackberries are bigger. Blackberries are bigger. They are segmented, so there's lots of little nubbins and nodules, and they're sweeter than the smaller pea size and infinitely better for you uh, black currants that go into currants, which is a recovery super product, I'll say. Um, there's tons of studies that currants have done and commissioned and have been done on currants that talk about, you know, reduced fatigue, uh, higher blood flow. Stuff like hemoglobin, another magic that you know people who understand the inside of bodies know about. Um, heaps of very good athletes like Sean Collins, Ruth Croft, you know uh, Andrew Hayden, Dougal Allen, and regular puds like myself use it and don't get the DOMS. But if you want the if you want the lowdown and duty on the science, go to the website currents.co.nz to check it out. And uh, if you like what you see and you want to order some, you can use the, t- the code DIRTCHURCH for 20% off your first order. And if you get it and you go, you know, this is actually junk, and it won't be because it's not, you can return it for a money-back guarantee if you're not getting the recovery benefits. Like if you break your foot and go, it's the Curran's fault, then, I mean, you know, get in the bin. But, you know, these little currents, these little currents from the Canterbury Plains are just the bee's knees so yeah if you go to currents.co.nz for the goods dirt church what a good deal hey uh also don't forget to use your code dcr 2020 sorry dcr 2022 don't use that other one i just said dcr 2022 to get 15 months wild things vip membership for the price of 12 uh Mm. keeps rob happy we all want to keep rob happy right you know, and you'll be happy yeah. too because you can dive into a bunch of VIP uh, membership benefits. You can go shopping with it on the VIP membership. The, sorry, on the Wild Things shop. Um, you can have a look at the peak directory. You can have a look at the trail directory. You can dive around all of there with Glee if you've got your 15 months VIP membership for the price of 12. Use the code DCR2022. Do it. We both look delicious, and I use that term literally. Uh, in our Ultraspire Zygos 5 packs that we got from ultraspire.nz, and oh my god, they're amazing. Um, the 4.0, which is on special at the moment for a super sweet price, was an excellent pack, but these are amazing balls, and we heartily recommend that if you want to if you want pretty much a duel, you know, you can take it for a little jaunt. If you're going for a big day, if you're going for a 
big big day then i would suggest getting one of these packs it holds all the gear the mando gear the hydration and everything else if you go to ultraspire.co.nz for the good deals lastly but certainly not leastly further faster if you go to the furtherfaster.co.nz they support us they're the best independently owned sportswear outdoors canoeing running dog loving shop in the known universe uh check out their otutahi urban adventure race coming up september 10th fantastic uh as per most of the stuff that they do this benefits the community and who wouldn't want to get out amongst it in christchurch ripping it up in different you know different ways of moving and enjoying the wonder of just traveling under your own power so amazing from further faster go to furtherfaster.co.nz check out the gear and wonderful human beings you can even pick up one of those hats with the pom-pom that you're wearing that i'm wearing right now yeah you could it's called a toque it goes something like further, faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go to further, faster now. Oh, further, faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Church Radio. Eugene Bingham, welcome to episode 207 of the Dirt Church Radio podcast. We made it barely. Yeah, everything's we did. been, We've, you know, like internet, power cuts, uh, COVID pandemic, all sorts of stuff yeah. being thrown at us, but we're charging yeah, that, on through. That last one's probably more of a long-standing problem now, but the, certainly the first three things that we talked about were quite acute ones that we faced in the first 10 minutes of this podcast. However... As we do with most things, let's digress. Um, what an incredible, incredible time that we had yesterday morning, out and about, hmm. running uphill and down dale. My God, man, that was fantastic. Yeah, it felt like a very spring day um, out in the forest. It's getting warmer. Mm-hmm. And it was a good time. And we got the miles done. Felt like a good sort of banking and effort mm. run. It was great. And good to see a couple, of, couple of peeps out in the forest. It's good. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it certainly it's getting. It feels like the sap is rising, and mm. I know that. Um, on Saturday morning, when I had to go to I had to go to work on Saturday, so I got out super early for a run. And as I was coming back, you know, a bunch of people doing the what's called the DCMF half, which is a gravel half marathon in Riverhead. There was a whole bunch of people going out doing huge that. Huge crew. Huge mm, crew. Yeah. Salty bastards and I had a lot uh, of fun. Yeah, they ran past them and it was fantastic and mm. it's just nice to see people getting out yeah. amongst it and Absolutely. it's so good. Mm. Speaking of people who get amongst it, Tessa Chessa mm. and her chocolate lab, Sugar Velour, mm. um, that was in- an incredible conversation. Like so much stoke, so much uh, warmth and light and, you know, just what a great outlook on life. And we got tons of feedback about it too. People were cool. People were stoked. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, this week, Australian record holder, uh, well, yeah, holds a bunch of records. Andrew Hayden, he um, has the record, age group record for over 50 kilometres. He's a dead set lock on the Australian 100k team for the last, what is it, nine years or something. Uh, set mm-hmm. the record for the fastest marathon dressed as a monk. 
That's a world why record. Not? Yeah. yeah. Two yeah. hours forty three oh six, which is better than my PB overall. And a runner who has really put effort into keeping on going, largely injury free, well into his middle age. Sorry, I shouldn't have said well into. That was a bit mean, uh, since I'm older than him. So uh, we had a big chat with him um, about how he does that, the approaches he takes, his inspiration, and and the mental focus that it takes. And it's yeah, it's it's a really it's a good deep dive, and it's fun. It was yeah. fun as hell too. You know, mm. when you meet someone for the first time and you think this is going to be really really cool, and he's yeah, he's chill. He's got a great outlook on life, and it was. It was super good. Yeah. It was, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. But a grooming so. chat as well. Yeah. Because why not? Because what's better yeah. than chaps talking about grooming? Not much. Probably a lot, actually. Mm. Patreon is better than yeah. chaps talking about grooming. In fact, there's probably lots of podcasts with dudes talking about grooming, mm. but yeah. Patreon, there's only one Dirt Church Radio Patreon, and you know we'd like to thank our patrons uh, if... You want to set up a regular donation. If you're interested in supporting the show or make a one-off, then you can find us at patreon.com slash Radio. But if you're not into it for whatever reason, that's totally cool too. Um, we're here for the people. You Update. You, I mean, go for it. Dean Carnassus. We mentioned it on the show last week, how he'd done that social media post saying that he was attacked by a coyote. Uh, There's been a bit of debate about it, to be honest. And we alluded to that last week. Um, but, yeah, bit of toing and froing. Was it an actual attack? You know, I don't know. Some of it seems a bit mean, but I've got a, I've got a statement. This just in from the coyote. <laughs> I would was like he, to was make he trying, w- Was he trying to paint a tunnel on a wall for a bird to run through and... Uh Dean Carnassus yeah. happened to kind of just bundle, blundle on. Yeah, the coyote's claiming it's just an accident. I mean, I think, well, if you have a look at the coyote's social media, he says that Dean ran into him. So, you know, it's a he said, coyote said, so situation. Um, but it's it's very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I'd, li- I'd like you to read the uh, coyote statement, please. Uh, I think people need to go and check out his social media. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right, you can. Yeah. But yeah. I think it too, it's like, I think Dean Carnassus, we, we were talking about this, uh, he's getting a bit of sort of shite from various members of the community because he's a polarizing figure. And I don't know why he's a polarizing yeah. figure. I think the dude's really cool. But um, when, is, a, when is, a, is it an animal encounter? Should he have been more sort of, should he have said, hey, I, I ran into a coyote or a coyote ran me over or I was coyote adjacent or I had an encounter with a coyote and I busted my face up. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, in fact, know. you know, there was some sort of, you know, something happened to him on the trails in the night. Must have been terrifying. Uh, some sort of animal encounter. Um, and, you know, I guess, I don't know, you know, he jumped on social media. Maybe that's the lesson. Uh, mm. Bloodied up face. Said he had a coyote attack. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But, you know, hey, no one died. No, no one, one died, died which no is good. Yeah. No one died at Wild Auckland either. That was uh, good too. So the Wild Auckland series got underway at Tafaranui. Looked so, so good. If mm. I mean, Tafaranui is a jewel. Stunning. Um, on the East Coast. Uh, great weather. Next one is September 11 at Te Papakanga. Um, the New Zealand Mountain Running Champs at Deer Park Heights, Queenstown. 8.6 kilometre, 500 metre climb have just 
past. Yeah. And Sarah Douglas, uh, you know, a, a found, can we call her a founding member, really, of Dirt Church? Sarah Douglas is the graphic designer who yeah. designed all our um, original stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She was there from day zero, day whatever it was, minus whatever. Uh, she's twice previous mountain running champion, has of course, been on Dirt Church Radio. Uh, she collected the Senior Women's Crown for the third time. Um, she's had a recent brush with COVID too, but didn't let that stop her. Oh, I noticed that she did say the final kilometre was breathtaking. I think she meant the view, but it was steep as well, so it could have been both, and with COVID. Uh, it did look stunning, but yeah, congratulations, Sarah. Um, she was two minutes clear of Maeve Kennedy um, and a further 50 seconds to Jessica Campbell. I mean, talk about Hill's um, Hill training over the Port Hills of Christchurch paid dividends for Cameron Avery. 25-year-old had the measure of the field the second half, collecting the gold medal in 36.10. Avery was the national junior 3,000, 5,000 and 10,000 metre champion in 2016. And Toby Batchelor, formerly of Otago and now Auckland, was second in 37 minutes with Tim Robertson a lower hut in 37.17. Um, Daniel Bouchon was fourth Followed in by Andy Good and yeah. Michael Sutton. Amazing. And, uh, you know, Andy Good, another DCI alumni. And so was Dwight Grieve, who was third in the Masters men and first in the 45 to 49 age group. Huge couple of weeks coming up. Huge couple yeah. of weeks. Uh, yeah, the UTMB Festival of Running yeah. is happening. Yeah, well, that's Chamonix. very, very soon. Depending on yes. when you're listening to this, it might have already been started, some of those events. Yeah. But, yeah, we got a heap of Kiwis. Yeah. Uh, heap of Kiwi names amongst it. Heaps of, you know, fair few of our friends are there, and a fair few people who have been on Dirt Church Radio are there, mm. um, including Zachary Friedley, who's taken past. Um, you know, we got Naseby coming up as yep. well, which is awesome. If it, Hopefully they get out with a Zamboni and a groom uh, that's under, like, two feet of snow. And yeah. I've got a shout-out. I got a shout out to Riverhead Rampage, Halatau Riverhead Rampage, 17th of September. Uh, it's our ninth year of running it out in Riverhead. Come along. If you go to riverheadrampage.co.nz, uh, enter. We've got a marathon this year, 21, 10, and 5K. All pro- It's a not-for-profit, registered not-for-profit, so all proceeds go to the school. And, you know, I know I'm shamelessly plugging it, but it's a fantastic, fantastic event. So and it's come and enjoy. It- Barlow Road this year. It is around at Barlow Road this year, so mm. even more trail goodness. Mm. Um, pound for pound, uh, um, you know, it's it's cheap as chips, yeah. and it'll hurt your feelings. So yeah. get after it. Greatest, greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block. Something that's sung to you for some reason. Send them into us at Dirt Church Radio at gmail.com and this is from Jason White Kia ora kōrua. big fan of your work first time I've tried writing something like this so here goes sitting at Lyle Saddle aid station 67 kilometers into my attempt at running the old ghost ultra I'd never ever felt so sore tired and straight up exhausted ever before pretty much everything hurt and my fuel light had come on long ago Wind the clock back 24 hours and I'd arrived at the event check-in to experience a huge bout of imposter syndrome. Never before had I felt so out of place. Five years earlier, I was packing down in the scrums as a prop with a playing weight usually around 115 kilos. So that's about 200 and... 
240 pounds uh, in, in American money. When I stopped playing, this ballooned out to almost 130 kilos, and I knew I needed to do something to get active again after my job had consumed me. So I walk into the check-in at 95 kilos was a great achievement. However, I still feel so far out of place around all the other people who had done a much better job of looking like a runner should than me. I was aware of how silly that perception was, but at Seddonville the next morning as we were awaiting the start of the event, I still couldn't shake. What on earth am I doing here? I don't belong. And holy shit, what have I got myself into feeling? If the event had a heavyweight division, there wouldn't have been many of us in it. As the course wound its way up the stunning Mokuhini Gorge, I had time to contemplate how far I'd come and practice gratitude for the journey I had travelled and the support of my family for allowing me to take the challenge on. I was able to reflect on running half marathon distance for the first time when training for the the, the, oh my God, the Rotorua Marathon and thinking how on earth am I going to do that twice? And after shattering my own perceptions of my capabilities, and finishing that marathon to then pondering if I could double that and run the Old Ghost Ultra. I was cruising along nicely up until the Specimen Point aid station, but that was a bit behind my target time as my imposter syndrome meant I started further back in the pack than I probably should have, and then I had to find my way through traffic. After leaving that aid station, I managed to find clear track and get into good rhythm, making up time but probably expending more energy than I should have. When the climbing started, it coincided with the first heat of the day and my pace dropped noticeably. My rugby years were not that kind of my body. I was metal in both of my ankles and less cartilage in both of my knees than I was issued with. A good knee and ankle day is a good run day and they were generally playing ball, which was great news. Dropping down into the Stern Valley aid station brought us back into the bush and out of the sun and access to my drop bag goodies. It was a strange thought to think I'd ticked off a marathon and still had another to go, continuing to smash through my preconceived preconceptions of my abilities. After this aid station, you quickly find the hard work starting with the much lauded stair climb and the following zigzag up to Ghost Lake. This journey was made much easier with the company of Dave from Timaru, a buddy met by chance that I would likely never meet again, but I appreciated the chat while we ground our way up the hill in the scorching sun. In the pre-race briefing, the organisers point out that at some point in the climb you'll be able to see Ghost Lake Hut, but don't look up as it can be demoralising and unfortunately I made this error. Sitting at the hut, I was really starting to notice the intensity of the heat and I began to become aware of how far behind on fluids I was. I remember at this point being shocked by how the live feed the event crew was beaming out was really live despite a remote location as supportive messages from colleagues at the college I teach at came through. Climbing up on top of the ridge was simply stunning. The cloudless day had made the heat tough, but wow, were the views worth it. What a magical place and what a privilege to be able to see it all on a blue bird day. As I started the descent, I finally managed to pee. First time in a long time and that confirmed for me how dry I was due to the deep sheed deep sheet deep shade of yellow i worked on getting more water as i dropped back into the shelter of the trees but by then my left knee had decided that it had enough the downhill was not doing it any favors and it was really getting to me by the time i sat down at lyle's saddle i wasn't in good shape and i was intimidated by the 18 kilometers still to go a few years ago i would have struggled to run fresh and now i had to take it all in on this state the aid station crew was simply amazing and their encouragement got me back on my feet and in a positive frame of mind where I was able to break the remaining distance down into sections and tick the Ks off as I passed each marker.
I surprised myself by managing to keep a reasonably consistent pace over that final stretch, but the sight of the final bridge still came as a very welcome sight. My wife, mum, and three kids were there to cheer me over the line, and the feeling of accomplishment and pride for what I had achieved is something that will stay with me forever. It wasn't just the journey of that February day, but the journey I'd been on for the couple of years prior that made this my greatest run ever. Jason... Wow. That was amazing. It was so amazing. Thank you. Um, yeah, and shout out to you and everyone who goes on those journeys of many, many years. <clears throat> um, yeah, incredible, Jason. Well done. Thank you for sending that in. The rest of you, be like Jason. Send them in. Keep doing that. Mm. Send them into us, dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. Right. Andrew Hayden is a runner from Australia. As as we said at the top, he holds the Australian age group record for the 50k. He's a dead set legend on the Australian 100k team. He is a uh, Guinness World Record holder, fastest marathon dressed as a monk, because why not? And this is a beautiful conversation with a guy who is in his middle age, as we both are, and is charging and rejoicing in the fact that we were built to move, we were built to run, and it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing that is sustaining and enriching through our lifespan. So please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Andrew Hayden. Dirt Church Radio. Andrew Hayden, kia ora, welcome to Dirt Church Radio. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having me on board. I'm looking forward to a, a, a fun chat. No, I yeah, we are too. Um, Look, let's. We got we got all the grooming questions out of the yeah. way early. Actually, that was. Yeah, that's true. Know. We can go over that again if you want. Well, we've established for the. I know this is an audio meeting, but we've established for the listeners that I mean, a you're much faster than we are, and you're you're significantly better kempt too. And there could be a. I guess there could be a correlation, right? The facial hair might slow you down. The faster you get, could the be. more it could slow you down. I don't know. I think yeah. I'd be on a hiding to nothing if that was my angle. Like if I was like, yeah, if I ditch this mustache, um, that'll be the that'll give me the nanoseconds I need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, coach, I've come up with a new plan. Yeah, I'm not going to train. I'm just going to shave. The cyclists and swimmers do it right, though. So I mean, you know, maybe trail runners it'll be a thing at some point to shave legs and and beards and things and see if it makes a difference. I don't know. Could be. Could be. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I have to. Con- I running with. I shaved my legs for years. I was cycling and and trail running and and road running and 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 did it. And then just one day, thought it's probably not stopped. giving me what I need. Yeah, <laughs> just stopped. <laughs> Isn't it something to do with also if you fall off or fall over? It there's lots of different. There's lots you. of different stuff. There's stuff around that, and there's also stuff around. It's yeah. just something that cyclists do. Like it's a cultural. Right. It's a cultural <laughs> thing, and it's just right. You know. There we go. But any look, (laughs) we did warn you this was going to be an all over the place conversation. It's good. It's good. So we've 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 covered performance grooming over the last hundred and twenty years. I mean, one of the things we really wanted to talk to you about was your high level of performance as someone like us. Uh, who is in their 40s, um, and we'll get to that. But I want to know, like, Andrew, where did that start for you? Where did your love of running or your realisation that you were good at that start? So, yeah, look, so I grew up in England, played football, soccer most of my life, didn't really run until I had to. I think 
I think it actually started when I got, to, I was in sort of the first team of the football team. And at some point they said, you guys really ought to be quite fit. So you need to start training and running more. So that's probably where it, I was a goalkeeper though. So let's be clear. There was not too much fitness required, um, but that's where it pro- sort of started. Um, and then actually my dad had a heart attack when I was, what is it? 20, 21. Um, and that's when I first entered the London marathon to raise money for charity for the British heart foundation back then. And that's where it really started. So I was not a runner. I hadn't run more than, I can't remember, let's say 5K, but entered the marathon and suddenly decided, right, I've got to do something about this. So that's probably where it started. But And it, and I guess it really started after I finished that marathon and went, wow, that was a really cool experience and I want to do that again. So I'd say I actually became a runner when I crossed the finish line of the London Marathon back in 1995 and went, I now want to do this. I want to run more. And yeah. Did you, had you trained? I mean, everyone... Well, some people don't. Some people enter these events on, on a, you know, whether had you uh, read a book or engaged a coach or had you just given it a good honest push and done some running? Um, and I do forget, to be honest, because it's going back a while. But, yeah, there was definitely no formal coach. I think I literally, back in 1995, read a magazine. That's, just, that's what we did back in the day, pre, yeah. pre-internet. So, I actually, I think it literally was a case of buying the weekly or monthly, I think it was, I, I won't enter name of global running magazine, whatever it was. And that was it. And there would be like, you know, here's a 16 week beginners m- marathon guide type thing. I'm sure there would have been one of those, especially around London marathon. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's where it began. Self-taught, had a go, built it up slowly and just wanted to get around to be honest. Not much. You probably. And sorry. I mean, I will add, you look back at the photo. So we're talking nineties here and I, and I don't know what your, your listeners ages are, but I ran in, I played a bit of tennis at the time, and the coolest gear I had were, was these funky Andre Agassi tennis shorts. If you know of him, he was going through a fluoro Las Vegas look stage. So I actually wore these like fluoro <laughs> cycling shorts built into a, a cool pair of shorts a la Andre Agassi. And I think I had these cool Nike shoes that he was wearing i'm not sure they were running shoes but they look more like him anyway there we go it was very did much you, inspired by a few random things i was not much of a runner at the time um, did you go the agassi hairstyle of, of that era was he was that still the long hair days very long blonde hair at the time but no yeah. i had a hat on with a union jack flag sticking out the top i had a, a, a like a, a what you call it you know the walkmans as in i had oh. a cassette oh, i had wow. a cassette on my hip with the i think it was the uh the Rocky theme tune at the time, like Rocky Four. <laughs> yeah, we're showing my page. age here, but there was nothing really <laughs> running related. I was inspired by a tennis legend, some boxer, and, and my dad having a heart attack, and <laughs> and didn't know much about running wow. at this point. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. It wow. seems, but yeah, the photo is cool to look back on. I mean, I look at this photo; it's horrendous. And it's probably going to loop back to being in trend. That's the thing, because everything's Eventually. everything's cyclical, and and you know, yeah, <laughs> he was ahead of his time, old Andre, with the yeah, exactly. with the with the inbuilt liners and the shorts, because then Salomon yeah, was doing it. Now T8s on board. It's I'm all. still wearing like the running shorts to this day, but they were the first pair. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I I just pipped you. 1994 was my first okay. marathon as a 21 year old. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I remember you're bringing back memories of some very vivid, very horrible fluoro shorts, actually. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. I can't remember. I had on top. It was just it was the British Heart Foundation vest of some sort. And then I had a, 
some sort of long sleeve t-shirt under the vest <laughs> i had too many layers on uh, it was it was all you know i didn't know if i was gonna be walking the, the second half of this race or not i think i had run a 20 mile long run and was going to get around but yeah from memory i got around okay a few few bit of ch- chafing here and there and a bit of yeah. blood but that's all part of it <laughs> it's compulsory on your first one uh <laughs> You, I mean, you were probably well ahead of most entrants in the field, having done some training. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. Most people just rock up to their first marathon with no training. Correct. Whatsoever. A few of my mates included who who got inspired and chose to do it with with blown out knees from other sporting injuries. They're like, no, we can get around this. This will be fine. And they they did and didn't to certain degrees. And some of them took seven eight hours. Some of them just didn't finish and never ran again. So yeah, I obviously it kind of been too painful because I definitely was fine afterwards and, and wanted. To do another one and did 10 years in a row like every year just the london marathon that was it i was i was, oh, I wow. was hooked that was your race it seems like the london marathon as well you know i read somewhere you know the people's penchant for running it and, and we'll get to the costume thing because you've done that too but um yeah. like there's this wonderful running quote someone was saying you know there's you know, you're giving it your all and there's nothing as demoralizing. What was the quote? A squatty dressed as a rhino passing you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like passing you half drunk in the mall, like running you down and just the, yeah, exactly. the spectacle of the whole thing. It does But it's a different era, right? You know, it's obviously media and, and everything and the way we view things is splintered and fragmented. But, you know, it was it was live on, you know, BBC, the London Marathon. There's two million, well, one or two million people, they say, on the streets. So it was a big thing when I grew up, even though when as a not a runner, my parents would tune in, we'd, we'd watch it and we'd watch all the charity and costumes and we would actually sit there and watch the event on the TV. Um, it's quite, you know, so it was quite a mainstream event. Everyone would, you know, talk about it for, for one day at least. It was, it was mm. super forgotten. So, yeah, it was a big thing and still is to be fair. Yeah, yeah. But it, those those sort of late 80s, early 90s were really were the days of those massive yeah. events, weren't they? I mean, I remember the, the, the runs here as well. Sure. You know, Rotorua was its heyday. Um, you know, just massive fields and yeah, I got passed by a prisoner once. Nice. That was that was nice. Yeah. yeah very cool. Well, a guy in a prison uniform. Right. <laughs> looked pretty convincing. He may have been a runner, a prisoner. Sorry, on the run. Come to think of it. Brilliant. I can't remember. I, I do remember the, the rhinos were always very famous. They were there every year. I think I remember a Roman sh- soldier going past me at one point with his sort of big red tunic. Tunic, tunic cape thing and flying past and getting in my face a bit. That's the way I remember it because that was annoying. I don't think he had real armor on there. I think it was plastic or fake. It wasn't that heavy. <laughs> and one dude did it in a, you know, those deep sea diving yes. sort of 18, 1900s. Some guy did that. I think it took him a week. He got special dim- dispensation. But I mean, literally, I can't remember how much it weighs, right? The, the helmet alone is ridiculous. And he had the big lead boots on. And I remember one year, wow. guy, one guy trudged around for, for days, bless him, and, and got an official finisher's medal, even though it was slightly beyond the cutoff but yeah very some very cool things that people do right yeah yeah and you and you went for a monk costume so that's a bit more recent yeah so that yeah. was yeah so we did a couple of, look uh, what did we do we did a couple of guinness world record things for charity that my f- friends had organized and i just kind of got into that guinness world record frame of mind at that point so we did uh 24 hours on a treadmill uh, a friend of mine ran for the full 24 hours and we did some team events either side of him and we broke through records in in one session and then yes and then and, and to be fair that the city marathon had also teamed up with the guinness world record so they were promoting like you know the guy's going to be there on the day so it's just made it a lot easier it's very it's quite hard to prove you've done the right thing 
if you just go and choose a local race but they yeah. basically had a guy that you before the race he would check your costume and say right if you run the time this is this is official effectively so, so it made it yeah. very easy so yeah why i chose the monk i can't remember i mean i just again you know, grew up in england with robin hood stories and friar tuck i think that was partly it um i'll be honest there's a little bit of thinking about what what costume is dynamic you know going to work because <laughs> i still wanted to run a pretty quick marathon i didn't want to just there's only, you only run so many marathons a year, so I didn't want to give up on a ridiculous outfit and miss out on my main marathon. So I was actually representing New South Wales because <laughs> I'd made the, the New South Wales team and decided to turn it into running as a monk at the same, in the same thing. So I still managed to place in the team like event, <laughs> even though I had a monk costume on it. It only cost me a couple of minutes well, in terms of the costume. And I had slightly tailored the... Uh, Again, I forget what it's called—the tunic, maybe the, you know, the long gown. Yeah, I, yeah that's right. Oh, that's the word we're looking for. I, I'd split it up the leg ever so slightly <laughs> just to make sure that my fastest pace gait would would make it inside the the, the cassock. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is realize that you know you're actually running in this thing and like, geez, I can't actually Lift run at the knee. right pace at all. Yeah, and it's and it's rubbing up my knee continuously. Anyway, yeah, yeah it was a lot of fun. And and just to finish that story off, the best thing was going through Centennial Park in Sydney, quite a big park. A couple of people saw me coming and got down their knees when we're crossing themselves. I mean, jokingly, but it was hilarious. A lot of that sort of stuff was going on. It was a real fun, fun couple of hours. But yeah. Just, did you have time to stop and bless I them? I didn't. I didn't. I mean, again, I'm at the pointy end, so I actually was, you know, trying to run a certain time. So, yeah. Well, and you, I mean, let's, I know. let's say you ran 2.43. Yeah. I, I, Holy moly. Yeah, no, it's not bad, right? I think the record was yeah. three and a bit, so I had a fair bit up my sleeve but yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and it wasn't let's well, be honest, have, there was no sandals you know you were still allowed to wear running shoes that was the main <laughs> appeal right i mean some of the world records do involve different shoes and i was like that's not gonna work if you, yeah. i can take this story one step further actually <laughs> in that for some reason uh i was actually supposed to be running as a french maid originally and my my wife banned that she said you're not doing that <laughs> so just to let, let that so that was the first i don't know why that again I think I think uh, that was the first choice because I thought that would be really actually quite aerodynamic and fast. It was literally a short yeah. skirt and not much on the top and a little doily on your head type thing. It's like, yeah, that looks pretty much like my race kit in some way. Let's go with that one. And she's like, actually, no, you're not doing that. Okay, all right. Step too far. Yeah. Yeah. The feather duster <laughs> might have slowed you down a little bit. You did have to carry a feather duster. That's a good point. You did. That was part of the technical requirement. But, it, you know. Figure that'd be all right. Not too heavy, but yes, there you go. It's quite a fun topic. There are lots, anyway. So people go out and look for some records. There are plenty to go and claim, and it's a lot of fun. Camille Camille Heron's got a world record as a superhero yeah. or something doesn't she's got, she? I think she's, it American I think she's got a few world records it's probably not the one at the top of your list but, but. <laughs> I think you might be right and I actually met funny enough at a fun run a couple, this year uh, I met an, another Sydney guy who, who's, who'd done the fastest half marathon in a suit which is quite interesting he'd had to go to ah. he had to go to a few more lengths to me because it did have to be a proper business suit which i think he had to get tailored wow. and made and yeah. choose fabric on and stuff that's a bit too business shoes oh i don't think so i think he was able to wear trainers that one but it was like it had to be a, a three-piece suit in a, of a certain yeah. weight of material and stuff i don't think it was yeah. like a suit and yeah anyway that'd get quite hot yeah, yeah. we could talk about this round well, we got, who's the japanese he's the citizen runner they call him he's super fast Can that's the one he's got the world record for a half marathon dressed as a panda Panda, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's so and many. And it's a ridiculously things. fast 
it's, yeah, it's oh, ridiculously exactly. fast. But yeah, exactly. So you're doing ten okay. years of the you're doing ten years of the London Marathon. It's your race, and it's what you love, and it's what you enjoy. When did I mean, and I mean, when do you make the leap to you know trying to think about setting records or moving past that distance? Yeah, good question. Yeah, um, I don't know. So it, it, the London had. The London Expo, you know, the biggest sort of pre-race event, always had a stand for comrades in South Africa, and I used to see it all the time. And that, that was all, like that was the main offshore bucket list thing to do. And uh, you know, I did New York and a couple of the big city marathons, but I just saw videos of comrades, and I don't know if you know that race, but it's just mm-hmm. they're all singing on the start line, and it's chariots of fire, yeah. and it's it's quite yeah. emotional to be honest. So that was the the cock crow, yeah, and... all that stuff. Yeah. So that was the one that yeah, it, it took me a few years to get there, but in the back of my mind, I always wanted to have a crack at that. But yeah, I think six foot track, if you know that trail race in Sydney, that's quite a, mm-hmm. that's the one that a lot of mainstream runners that I knew would would go and do each year, even though it's a bit further than the marathon. It was just a one that we all did so yeah that was my first entry point into something a bit bit longer to be honest um and then comrades back in 2010 just it was the soccer world cup was on at the same time and we were just a year out we're just like this is the year we you know (laughs) let's go and have a go yeah so it was very cool so that was the entry and then then from that i realized that geez you know i'm fast enough to make the australian team over 100k pretty much right so so suddenly like that whole road running ultra scene just became a bit more high up the agenda and on the to-do list to try and qualify for the Aussie team. And yeah. yeah. But I was always a road runner rather than a track. You know, I didn't really, I'm tall and lanky, which you can't, you can't see on the radio, but yeah, I'm tall. I'm pretty lanky. I don't do well on the trails. I fall over. I've got big feet. So I'm just, you know, I'm more suited to running on the road. I love the great outdoors and I love seeing nature. But I find on the trail, I'm just looking at my feet where I'm going to, which bit I'm going to trip over on. So I don't find, I actually enjoy it. I'd rather go for a walk down a nice trail and not fall over than run it fast. I'm very slow down. Running downhill is not my forte. Well, I, I don't run fast. I don't run fast downhill. Downhill is not my forte. And I always fall over and I'm short. So okay. I think we can well, take the tallness out of your. Yeah, um, okay, fair yeah. <laughs> Big feet? No. Not no. particularly. Oh, okay. No. Well, then maybe I've got no excuse. Maybe that's not the reason. I just can't that's run right. fast. We can, we can eliminate those. Yeah. yeah. It is quite an adjustment. I mean, as a former, oh, you know, I, I only ran on the road for a long time. Um, and then that adjustment you have to go through when you get back on the trails of like you you can't look at your watch and worry about splits and that sort of stuff, and it does take a little bit of an adjustment yeah. as a as somebody who's if you're used to doing that um, when you hit the trails. Yeah, for sure. And to me, the trails mm. are just to enjoy. I'm like I'd rather not race. Yeah, I actually go and do yeah. long, slow, calm runs on the trails. Don't care if I stop and take the view in. Right. Whereas racing, it's yeah. a different thing. You actually miss. A lot of the fun if you're going to race hard. Maybe not the longer ones where you're walking hills and you know taking it in, but on a short, short, harder trail. If you're like you know, when you're at the pointy end and you're running the whole thing, no, I'm not sure you're really enjoying nature as you could be. Whereas in yeah. a big city road marathon, it doesn't matter how fast you're going, you can still hear the crowd. And do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't spoil the effect of the event to me. I guess that's the way I yeah. used to think about it. Yeah, mm. but if you, I mean, if you think about those. I mean, what it's what this conversation and, and most of the conversations strike me as is just running, be it trail or road or whatever, is just glorious. And it's it's it, there's something almost, and I say it all the time. Like I do the majority of my running on the road, 
and I'm not a very fast runner on the road, um, marginally faster on trails, but you know, I think that's, I, I'm kind of short with big feet. I don't know what that says. <laughs> I can run downhill really I'll well. To yeah, think that's what that is. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but the, um, just the, there's, there's a beauty in a urban run and it's just, it's, it's such a fantastic thing. I mean, what, what was the atmosphere? You know, you talked about comrades, but that's something that, you know, the whole country basically turns out for, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's live on TV. Oh, look, I don't know. It's, it's definitely the whole country Not knows whole about country, it, yeah, right? But, I mean, oh. but it's live on TV. Everyone tunes in and watches it. And again, it's just that. The, yeah it's so fun after you know we're there as tourists obviously we don't we don't it's not you know we don't live there but yeah you just you wear any the t-shirt or the hat for the next week and yeah, everyone's buying you a free drink and asking you you know like all the, the the waiters giving you a free drink or they're asking you how your time went and then when you say you've got a silver medal which is you know the top 10 get a gold medal and then everyone under seven and a half hours get a silver like you know and then when the majority of them majority of the field are behind that they're like like holy holy cow you've got a silver medal as well because i'm like yeah i just did it you know it's a bit fun you know it's really cool so yeah the country knows that race like you say they've grown up with it obviously when they were inwardly focused as a country that was that was the only thing so i think that had a big part of it right when they were yeah. banned from you know competing mm. offshore that was their their, mm. their olympics almost so i think there's a bit of that there's the i just love the history right for the non you know, everyone sort of, you know, New York Marathon and London. I mean, London started in 1981, I think it is, or 80, right? Comrades was 1921. I'm like, you know, you guys, marathon running's big, right? But this occurred 80 years beforehand, right? Like, it's a long time. Mm. And it was, mm. you know, I kind of like pointing that out. Um, and, and, yes, if we want to get into that whole Greek, you know, where running started, like people were running ultra marathons back then, right? They were running a lot further than a marathon. So when people tell tell us how freaky we are doing this stuff, I'm like, no, I think we're just getting back to what we used to do, right? And I'm pretty sure, yeah. you know, the first the first ancient man was walking. They tell us a lot further, right? And and that's what we did, and that's why we've got big brains, as I understand it. Yep. Anyway, yeah. we can talk about that, but it's interesting, right? It's interesting that human society thinks I'm mad. A lot of people, not people on this call, or this radio station but it's true right people think we're bonkers that we go out running so far it's like yeah no actually this is what we've done for thousands of years right you it's sitting in the armchair that's bonkers all day yeah <laughs> anyway. no it, you, you you're you're so right and if you think about i mean not to sort of you know gush about it but if you think about all the all the benefits of it and all the benefits of yeah, process sure. and do, we've talked about process a lot recently but it's so true eh? all the benefits of actually working for something and um you so that that whole thing i mean comrades was wasn't it uh, guys after world war one getting together to yeah, honor fallen, their fallen comrades correct, fallen wow. comrades exactly right i don't know why i can't you know i'm not sure exactly on the story is why they went from Ta maritzburg to durban but i think they lived in maritzburg and it's like we're gonna run so the, you know the, the distance was irrelevant it's like we live here and we're going to run there and it's about 80 something k away right mm. it's just like wow okay it's really cool mm. right it's just a really cool yeah. cool thing yeah and yeah and there was all those i mean there was all those races too that sort of in the 20s and yeah. people would bet on wasn't there those thousand like a mile an hour for a thousand miles and stuff like that well they get oh, yeah. further yeah. Yeah. and then london to brighton yeah. apparently was big at this time so in, in the uk yeah. people were running london to brighton right and then and then those runners yeah. went over to try and win comrades and yeah look like this it's bigger than we realize 
but obviously mm. they weren't superheroes. They weren't on the TV so much. You didn't know about it, right? Whereas now we know about everything that everyone does so much. It's just, it is, yeah. And I do like yeah. that side of it. It's quite, I mean, the fact that they ran in a pair of plimsolls as well right. is interesting and all that stuff, right? No super shoes available. But um, it yeah. is what human, I, I generally believe we are, it's what we're meant to do, right? We're not, we are, it is normal to be out being active keeping fit you know enjoying the great outdoors that is what our species has done for a lot longer than it hasn't right we just don't have that relativity we don't see that doing yeah well i mean as you as you said when you hit it on the head a lot longer than we've sat on the couch watching television you know television's only been around since the 50s and 60s so you know what's what's more natural Yeah. yeah 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 So you, I mean, how many times have you done comrades? Only twice. Yeah, I mean, only twice. Up and down? Yeah, one of each, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and for no reason other than, you know, kids and priorities, and we've done it once. I'd love to do it. You know, I've still got unfinished business. I I should have gotten quicker, you know, la, la, la. But this is life, right? We always want more. So, yeah, so uh, it's a big overseas trip. Um, It's hard with kids and it's expensive, Mm. but it's a a great destination. It's an awesome race. Um, and I guess to be honest, it's never quite, you know, the first one is always the most amazing, right? You go back and it's never quite as amazing. Um, but yeah. What's harder? Yeah. Up or down? Mm, yeah. I don't really have a, cause it's five big hills either way. I think right. It's five, I think that's the right number. So a lot of people would say down is harder because the biggest of the downs is like running into Durban with eight to 10 K to go. I think it is. So your quads are just already smashed and then you've got, it's very hard to stop yourself. You know, there's people walking backwards down this hill because they just can't go. Yeah, there's all sorts of brutal scenes. Um, I can't remember what the, you know, and again, the race, it changes ever so slightly. So the, it's hard to compare fishing times because it can be a couple of K different mm. each year. Mm. But I can't remember what the, I think the, the, the elite guys, I don't think the times are that different up or down. I, feel, I can't remember, you know. It's been a while since I've looked yeah, at stats. I think they're similar, relatively right? similar. Yeah. So yeah. arguably it's sort of similar-ish, right? And probably depends on your which muscles are best worked and what your training's done, right? But, yeah, for, for my memory, I could, you know, hard to say either way. It was just a different race. Um, mm. Yeah. I want to – I mean, it's been, a, it's been a big couple of years for everyone. And I mm. know that you said – I like the juxtaposition you've talked so much about sort of the natural natural world or the natural order of things and and i've got a whole bunch of questions about oh how do you as a you know runner in your 40s stay well and 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 you've kind of answered that saying well it's what we're supposed to do in our 40s and and 30s but i'm really interested that you set a marathon pb during a virtual run in 2020 what was that experience like because that's you know, as a, as a big, as a marathon, as comrades, London, you know, all these big runs, how was doing a virtual run? Yeah, well, it was, to be fair, it was my own virtual run. So, you know, there's lots of races that become virtual runs. So the story here is I was supposed to be running the good old London Marathon again for the first time in, what is it? I've forgotten now. So I did it in 06. So it was 14 years since I, because I've lived in Australia for 14 years. So I left Australia, moved from England to Australia in 07, uh, having done my last marath- London Marathon 06, it was my 25th anniversary almost of the first one, 2020, back to 95. So it's like we're going back to do it again. We haven't seen the family. So, yeah, so three weeks out from doing the London Marathon in the shape of my life, COVID hits and we can't travel. It's like, oh, bugger, <laughs> that sucks. What I picked the one year, it's not going to happen in 15 or even since 1981, whenever, right? So 
yeah, sorry, it was probably about four weeks out, three weeks out to traveling. It's four or five weeks out to, to race day. Um, and I just sat there and go, well, what can I do here? I, I, I'm in the form of my life. I've just, I'm going to run up, you know, you can, it's, if you just keep training, training all year round, right. You, you either get injured or you, you know, it's, something happened. So I was peaked, ready, ready yeah. to go. So I just go, well, it, it turns out that my birthday is on a Sunday in a couple of weeks. So I'm just going to run a marathon on my birthday in my lockdown area, like within 5k of my house. I kind of had an idea in my head of what this loop would be. And I just went and did it. And the kids came out, joined me halfway through. I had a, a guy on a bike with me. Technically, it wasn't measured at the time, right? So it was, it was a Strava PB. But then I funnily enough, Having done that, I then actually got a mate to go and remeasure it, actually go and measure it for me so that we could work out A, what my actual PB was, because I know exactly, you know, what I'd run. And then I went and had a crack at this uh, age group, well, well, Australian record for 50K during lockdown because I was in the shape of my life and I realized, geez, I can go and break the over 45s record here. So we got the course measured to, to actually go and do that. So, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where I was in the shape of my life. I was fit that it actually felt very easy, even though it's, and, it, and because I just, it was just a, a release of frustration and anger that I was going to miss my trip to London. I didn't get to see my family. So it was just this pent out, I'm just going to go and run. And, I, and it was the easiest marathon I've run. It's bizarre because yeah. I just felt I was in great shape. I ran within myself a bit. And then, you know, the last couple of K I let loose and was ridiculously fast. And then, yeah. So yeah, and I mean the, the beauty of it was the uh, my kids put a toilet paper you know finish line across the street for me. So it's the first time I've broken the tape in a marathon and actually won one, um, which was quite cool. And that's the memory that will live with me. I mean, it was just a brilliant moment. Toilet paper was in very high demand at the time as well. I think we rolled it back, <laughs> yeah, rolled it back up and used right. it because there wasn't there wasn't much on the shelves shelves in Sydney. Sorry, everyone. So we didn't Sorry. waste it. <laughs> we didn't waste that toilet paper. We made sure we took it back home with us. Yeah, but yeah, kids, so it was a real kids, blast. Kids get kids get robbed yeah, on the way exactly home. Right. The neighbours looking down. A few friends came out and watched it, and you know, I didn't really publicise it. You know, I didn't make a big thing of it. It's just like this is all about me versus mm. me. To be honest, I just want to go and do yeah. this, and yeah. So yeah, that you know, that was the time, right? And, and that's mm. why I remember it because that's now a sort of that piece of history of lockdown and missing yeah. out and what have you. Yeah, yeah. When you when you say you channel Duranga. I mean, that's anger's a hard emotion to deal with as a runner, isn't it? Because it can go two ways. It can actually be the worst yeah. thing. But sometimes, you know, if you can sort of channel it. So, what did you do? How did you, how did you channel it and make it a, a force for good rather than something that wrecked you? Yeah, and I, look, I don't think I think anger is probably the not the right word in that situation. No, it was sure. frustration yeah. and disappointment. Yeah. So it was a case mm. of, you know, we can this race is been cancelled we're not going to do it there's no other races happening anytime soon we just one do nothing and sit on the couch and be fed up or two we train on at full full rate for goodness sake you know which for how long i mean i was literally three weeks off peaking after a good 15 week block of training so if i just continued doing that week after week hoping a race would come along i probably would have I mean, just would have, yeah. just would have got bored of it, right? And you give up. You'd have, you can't. And you'd have been yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so I had. Yeah. So I knew I need to go and run hard, and then have a couple of weeks off and chill out. Um, I just enjoyed it. I just thought, okay, I mean, but it was that whole. And this is why I think it's getting back to that whole what's running all about. It's like I can still run. Okay, I can't travel, but I can still run. I can get outdoors. I know people who are in lockdown in certain cities where they're literally stuck in a 
a flat, a unit, you know, I'm lucky. I live in a nice, reasonably open area. Do you know what I mean? So I just went to that positive mm. side of I'm very lucky I can still go and run. Mm. I've got this sort mm. of 1.2K loop, which is perfect. The weather was stunning. Lockdown is not so bad. I'm not stuck in an apartment block in other parts of the world and can't see daylight type thing. So that was my, yeah. I try, you know, I'm pretty positive. So I find the positive out, like, outlet of, I can still do something here and I'm going to go and give that my best shot. And, you know, that's my way. So you sort of use it to, to forge your determination yeah. rather than as a kind of a... I think so. Find the positive yeah. in it, right? And, and um, my yeah. kids, yeah, I guess well, they would have watched me anyway, but I'm thinking this is quite cool. I, I have no journey home. <laughs> it's five minutes from home. You know, all the positives, right? I'll be able to recover quicker. I won't be jet lagged. Maybe I'll run better here yeah. in my backyard having not travelled to London. And I don't know, you know, just find some positives to the situation and deal with it right and that's a big part of as runners we we can be quite we can get quite caught up on things but we can't you know we have to learn that we can't control certain uncontrollables and we can control certain things right so we can control when we go to bed getting enough sleep generally eating right you know you can do certain things right but you can't control weather and what other people are doing and blah blah blah. so you know Mm. i try and always get back to basics and remember those sort of things and yeah what was your time? Um, like two thirty-five something. I mean, again, we didn't know. You know, it was, it was a yeah. marathon. I knew, I'm pretty sure I, I measured it on a bike and in a car, and but not with a you know the wheel. Yeah. So I mean, it was pretty yeah. accurate. The Garmin wasn't accurate, but I knew roughly what my marathon was. So it was like a two thirty-five yeah. fifteen or something. And my PB was a high thirty-six. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, well done. done. And did you do? Did you do the Strava? Just add on a little bit extra for when. Well, so, Strava kind that's, of so that is what we did, right? Exactly, exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> what we did. So I kept running, I kept running through the tape before I stopped my watch. <laughs> I'm not. I can't remember if it was enough or not. Not yet. We've got a friend who is obsessed with that, and um, it's oh, become yeah, known nah. as as if you go straight up the Dave. That's exactly. You know, he <laughs> will is. stop. We'll, we'll get to the gate, which is in the forest. Yeah. It's the start and finishing point. And if you're going to go do straight up the Dave version, you run until your watch says, you know, it's, it's the appropriate. Yeah, that's never, I've never been, that's never been me. I mean, again, I, I, again, I remind myself that I ran a big PB in a half marathon once when my, when my old sort of digital watch died on the start line <laughs> pre GPS and I had no watch and I, and I actually mm. just ran free, right. And just raced. And I like took yeah. a minute and a half off my PB and went, Oh, that's liberating because I would have held myself back going, Oh, you're going too quick. You're going too quick. So, you know, yeah. it is quite funny, but yeah, I don't get I, yeah. If my watch says 9.98 K, I don't care. I'm not, I don't go those extra, better do two laps of the street to make sure I've done that 10 K. <laughs> but you know, I always, nothing against people that do. I, I hear it's no, that's right. That. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I'll do it from time to time, but I, I always think, I bet you they don't do this in your 10. I bet you there's not like Kenyans running around the car park going, it. I can't stop I yet. I'm just going to. I will actually leave it at 9.97 or whatever. Just because it's cool. To frustrate people who I know really affect that. Like I know Perfect. that I have friends who are like, I can't, yeah. is he a psychopath? Can't you did that. Yeah, yeah. can't yeah, believe you wasted that. That's a 10K run. Yeah. I, and then, exactly. I mean, you have that massive PB, you have a massive flex at the end with the toilet paper. I mean, are you a billionaire or what? You cross the finish line with the toilet paper, and that's amazing. Then you go and, I mean, you go and t- take a massive chunk out of the Australian age group, 50K record as well. 
Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. 30553. I mean, how long after Well, you... I did the first. I failed the first time, so to be clear. So I, I actually so I got it measured in my back, you know, in this little <laughs> local suburb. And I and I, to be honest, I got greedy. It was too soon after that marathon. I wasn't ready for it, but I had a go and I didn't get even near it. So, so I faded. And I'd had a cold the week before, you know, the usual stuff, right? I kind of knew that I probably wasn't going to do it, but we were set to do it that day. So, yeah, I didn't get close the first time, which was June. So we got fired up again and, and set one up for uh, September, October time. And then and that's when I did do it. So I had time to really reset, have another crack. Yeah. And again, there's no races on. And it's just that whole thing. I'm 40, whatever it was, I forgot how I was, 46 years old. You're in the shape of your life. Like I want to do, I want to make, you see, we could control that. There was no races, right? But we could go and get a course measured that other people can use now and have a crack at this record and, and do all the right things to make sure it counted. And, and a few other people, I mean, we created a race for other people, right, who were desperate to do something. So it was just, yeah, we just took life, took it into our own hands and said, we, what can we control here? We can measure out a course, set up our own race, follow all the COVID restrictions that are in place at the time. You know, I can't, borders were closing, so I can, you can't go and do stuff in another state and you can't do that. So it's, a, it's that whole thing of let's control what we can control create our own race and go and have a crack at a record because I can't go and do anything else. What was the course? What mm. was the, what was each loop? Oh, geez. I'm forgetting about seven K on wow. that one. It was a, it was a nice flat, cool sort of Northwest of, yeah, like 40 minutes away from me out in sort of rolling farmland, like a really nice spot near a river. So everyone knows it's flat and other people have targeted that as a place to go and run just that doesn't have any official races there but yeah low population density and you know, not, not too many locals to annoy and roads to shut or anything like that so because we didn't have you know it wasn't a, a formal event mm. where we got roads closed and stuff like that but we just had a measured loop that we knew would be pretty quiet and wouldn't annoy too many people the, yeah. there seemed mm. to be during that time during COVID time there was a bell curve wasn't there of people mapping out courses and there's sort of like yeah. that sounds like six or seven k cool one or two k that's cool yeah you've that's got it. a you've got a running mate who you've had a bit of a ding dong at Costa Kosciuszko Stephen Redfern yeah. what was his one yeah. in his garage was that like yeah yeah three days 60, wasn't it, I think. 60 meters yeah. or three something. days four days yeah yeah i can't think what the, was i think he's got a triple yeah. garage i might have got that wrong i think steven's got a bigger than average garage but you're right he's at the top <laughs> oh, of he's, the he's a very different <laughs> end of the spectrum to me right I mean, like, like, the things i've done are, are, are very small in comparison to some of the things other people have done but people ran their suburbs you know there's some pretty cool run every street in the suburb yeah you know, do this, run the entire kind of perimeter of your local government area that you're not allowed out of, <laughs> you know, and there was all sorts of, mm. this is what we do as runners. We find things to do, right, to entertain ourselves, to motivate ourselves, we go and find stuff. Wasn't there a guy in Italy who did his yeah. balcony? Yeah, there was. I've seen, I remember seeing footage of, of that one, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've always thought about his neighbours. Yeah, okay. I don't know how that worked from a GPS <laughs> bang, 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 pinging bang, bang, point of view. I'm not quite sure true, if that even true. you know the accuracy of running you round a coffee yeah. table. And obviously, people were in lockdown, so people who were in that period of you're in a hotel yeah. room for seven days. I don't think that was him, but you know there were some people who were there was some, actually in South Africa. The best one I saw was an Iron Man in in South Africa, where somebody had a only an well a, a re reasonable sized family home, so they had front garden house back garden swimming pool and they did turbo you know they basically swam in their pool three 3.8k in their 10 11 meter 
pool and then they sat on the turbo trainer and they literally ran a marathon around the front you know down the side gate back garden front garden <laughs> just brilliant oh, i love it didn't ryan said uh, ryan sandy did sure 100 miles did at that, his house is that right yeah i'm yeah, pretty maybe. sure he did I yeah through his one. like okay. through his house the, up the stairs and yeah right the the collinses didn't sean sean ran some ridiculous Ridicu- distance yeah. uh running friends of ours uh and they live in a suburb that's quite hilly yeah. and so there was a ridiculous amount of vert <laughs> in this because it was just so many times they up live and on over the side this, of a hill the, the in hills the bush. in there yeah 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 there was a guy in there was a guy in um down south somewhere he was a farmer and he didn't do an iron man but he he basically dug himself a pole Brilliant. put a plastic lining in it um and that was his that was his wow. pole you know filled it filled it up from the dam and then <laughs> And it was, you know, ri- riding and running around the farm. Yeah. It's amazing what we do to get our fix, right? When we are, you know, <laughs> That's amazing. Right. But we didn't That's know how right. long it was going to go on, did we? And we didn't know. No. You know we just, yeah, we had to come up with some ideas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's, I mean, that's, it's going to be, I keep thinking, of, eventually we'll get through it all. But, um, you know, we're going to look back and go, yeah. wow, that's amazing. You know, yeah. those those memories that you've created, yeah, for sure. like you say, with your, you know, your kids standing there with the toilet yeah, rolls exactly. and stuff, you're never going to forget no, that. No, exactly. And we tried to, other people, friends were getting pretty fed up and bored. So we, we did quite a few, like we just set up some backyard Olympic stuff and challenged friends to do stuff. And we did like Ninja yeah. Warrior kind of courses and obstacle courses in back garden. And we did a heap of really fun family stuff and got a few other people out doing stuff right to be honest and my kids wrote yeah when we went in proper lockdown you know we were as in sort of 5k radius my, my kids rode their bikes more than they've ever ridden right it was like being back to my 1980s child mm. and i loved it right mm. we're in a cul-de-sac we played with all the kids in the cul-de-sac like the kids rode bikes like it was actually there was no kids parties and going to yeah. indoor play centers and doing the stuff that i don't like to do so much at the weekend and there was more time for bushwalking riding bikes playing in the street, chalking maps of things to ride around on the tarmac. I'm just stuff. It was like, honestly, it was like a throwback to times yeah. gone past, you know? And of course yeah. there was technology yeah. happening, but, but it was awesome. So I, yeah, again, I looked for the positive and thought, what can we do? What can we make out of this situation? Yeah. What, um, what's, oh, sorry, cause I, what, sorry, because I was going to say, what took you to Australia? Mar- marrying an Australian you- would do that. Ah, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we got married a couple of years, and uh, her her father passed away, and she she wanted to be home closer to, to her mum, and would like just thought, yeah, yeah. let's let's go see see let's what happens. She did her six year stint in in London, and now I'm 15 years here, so I'm not sure yeah. how that works. Six winters is about yeah. as, is a lot for a lot quite a few Australians, you know. So yeah, they tend to count their experience on how many winters they got through. Quite often, I don't know if that's the same the Kiwis in London, but you know, I get it right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what's it like pulling on an Australian singer? Yeah, look, it is a bit. Again, I can't say that my father or brother were too proud of me. To be honest, you know, there is that sporting rivalry. But I've been living here for three or four years, and that whole England Australia. Once you know, when you've been living here for a few years, it it does die off, right? I mean, I, I didn't. I'm pretty. I, I could almost say I used to, you know, hate Australia in certain sports when I when back in the day when we played them. But you, when you again, I moved to Australia. It's time to embrace Australia, right? I'm Australian. I became a citizen. Yeah, I mean, it was it was an awesome thing. I was proud, I, and my, I had 
I think it's because I had kids. You know, things change when you have kids, right? So my first child had been born. It's like they're Australian. They're born in Australia. It's just a different dynamic, to Definitely. be honest. So mm. it was so cool. I mean, I, I mean, it, yeah. it's actually we talk about pulling it on. I mean, I, to me, it was it arrived in the post to my work address, and I just, I, you know, I remember this package and I knew what it was. And opening it up and pulling this vest out was just like. Oh my god! Like this is not something I ever aspired to or thought would happen. It was just so cool. So yeah, it was actually yeah. that moment. It was like the receiving the kit for the first time was like that is so cool. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. yeah, didn't bother me at all that it was Australia. I didn't think twice. About yeah. It. Well, I guess the the big test is who do you, who do you cheer for on an Ashes series? Still England though. Right? I mean, this is the thing. <laughs> so it does it does, it does it does get a bit awkward. Too, you know? I mean, you know, there are lines yeah. to be crossed. Oh, yeah. It's sort of. <laughs> Whatever it was, thirty six years or thirty five years of sporting one country, yeah, you know. <laughs> no, look, I mean, the beautiful thing was, I mean, I, I still hold this this one. The, the beautiful thing was, uh, in that hundred kilometer world champs every year, Australia races Australia, you Britain races Great Britain. See, it's a bit different. Ah, so you know, yes. you're either British or Australian. So it wasn't actually in, wasn't actually an England Australia thing. I was a little bit more comfortable racing British. Like hard to, I know that's a bit random and a bit. No, but, you know, no, it's a bit no, different. No, no. I mean, because the Olympics is still yeah. Great Britain versus Australia, but it's that funny dynamic, right? Where we've just got the Commonwealth Games, which is England and the underlying countries. But yeah, I felt a bit less. You know, on a sporting front, my main sports being rugby, soccer, the thing, cricket. It's all England, so it didn't feel yes. so bad. That's how I really yeah. worked around in my head that I wasn't being yeah. a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> We have to take these lessons. Exactly. You've got to find a way to make it work. That worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) How was, I mean, that that finish at um, Costa Kosciuszko, I mean, that race looks almost, it's almost awesome full. It's awesome and it's wonderful. (laughs) It's awful and wonderful at the same time. I mean, that's a step up, right? Going from. You know, it, and it was right, and technically, you know, the the organisers want you to do a hundred miler before you to to get in, and I hadn't done that, and I'd have flied a few times and, and never been accepted into the race, and I hold my hand up, say it's fair enough, I haven't met the application criteria, so I for me it's just time. I'm a, I am a road runner, you know, I was still competitive with PBs over ten k, five k, so the ultras were sort of you know like someone like Stephen's very different, right? He he run umpteen ultras a year. For me, it's like most years I did that I did that 100k world champs seven eight years in a row that's my big ultra for the year I did comrades a couple of times other than that I was still chasing marathon and half marathon pbs so it was only covid killing all those races again that I'm like I really want to go and have a cracker uh, at that but there's not that many 100 mile races in my backyard in Sydney right there actually aren't any in Sydney I don't think I mean there's a couple of track ones which quite hard work to go and run around a track for 160k i wasn't quite ready for that although i've done my first 100k on the track now but yeah i just wanted to go and do something different and even though i've done all these lapped track races there's not many point-to-point races like that and it's iconic and we've been up cozy uh with the family pre-lockdown as a holiday and it just it, it ticks every box that i wanted to do and I, again i've always wanted to earn that akubra for 10 years it's one of those one races that i wanted to do and i never quite I never went and ran a hundred miler and <laughs> did what I should do to try and get in. But I think, you know, the, the two organizers gave me a chance. It helped because of lockdown people, other States, people couldn't travel. Right. So to be fair, right. they had a smaller yeah. set of applications. So the one year I kind of, I actually got in um, and I just grasped it. And I, I only had six weeks to prepare for it because 
for whatever reason, that was when you know they they nominated who was going to be in. I didn't think I'd be in the race because I didn't I hadn't passed the application. You know, I hadn't ticked all the boxes for them. And when I got in, I was like, oh my god! It was on my wedding anniversary. I got the phone call, and I had to go and tell the wife. I don't think I'd even told her I'd entered to this because I assumed I wasn't <laughs> going to get in. So there's an argument not worth having there. I'm like, oh, I got into that race. You know, we've talked about it a few times. She's like, oh, right, okay. Anyway, it was absolutely. I mean, we had a horrible, miserable, wet one. It rained the entire yeah. time. It, it was it had crazy rain weather, for a wasn't week it? beforehand. It had snowed a couple of weeks out from that, and we kind of knew the summit would probably be shut. So it, you know, it's a bit of unfinished business there. It sucked a little bit that we didn't get to summit, but yeah, I, you know, it was a really nervous time. You know, like it's the first time I've lined up going for for a long time. Going right, this is way out of my comfort mm. zone. I've never run anywhere near this distance. You know, let's see what happens. And I loved every minute of it because I just I held back. You know, I just held back, held back. I'm not racing this. My crew were jeeing me up going, yeah, the person in front of you is inside. I'm like, I don't care. This is just my journey. I just want to finish. I want to enjoy it. And that was my attitude the whole way. Um, we never knew. It was funny, you know, like, so they were, they kind of half knew. Stephen Redford's crew were very much hunting me down. Like it was their purpose. That's how they were driving him on, right? He's up the road. Like I was just oblivious to that. I didn't care. I didn't even think about it until literally the finish line is 200 meters away and suddenly he's 30 meters behind me. And I, and I being very British still and English, you know, what? the first thing went through my mind when I crossed the line is like, have I just done the wrong thing? Like, should I have stopped them? Should we have held hands? And <laughs> because you've just done 29 hours of racing and I've, and I've purposely turned and out sprinted him to beat him by a 10 seconds. And I felt really guilty. I'm like, I think I hope I've not just done a really un-Australian type thing to do. And he was like, no, I got that. I've been hunting you down, trying to beat you for the last six hours type thing. Anyway, so, yes, they have a sprint finish. And I looked at my Garmin. I did hit 3.55 for K pace. So I was very uphill, may I say. I was quite proud what? of myself. Yeah, because I just got that fight or flight adrenaline rush, right? I mean, he literally was on – because my crew on the finish line were doing this one. I'm going, blah, you can't see the actions here. But my the crew were waving their arms madly. And I just thought they were like, yeah, he's finished. He's coming. <laughs> like, and then And then I got close enough that they're pointing. And I turned around and these and Stephen and his uh, pacer were right there. And they were, and they were telling all the spectators who – not really spectators, but people who were on the side of the road getting ready to go and try and walk up Kosciuszko. They were all like going, shh, be quiet and <laughs> – like they were literally telling everyone not to tell people that he was catching my shoulder. It's very, it's very funny. It's a, it's a great story and one that we will share for forever. And we had the you know big hug on the finish line. He said it was brilliant. I helped him get through the yeah. race right because he was hunting me down. He knew he was catching me. Yeah. So it's cool. It's yeah. Such a cool thing. Yeah, best oh. sprint finish ever, and it was in a two hundred forty kilometer race. Bizarre. That's a hell of a kick, though. At the end, yeah, oh, that's I was impressed, and, 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 and it could have ended in tears, right? I imagine. I mean, my hamstring could have gone, and I could have not. I mean, I think my crew would have carried me the last hundred meters to finish that race, but it could. I could, in hindsight, I'm getting pretty stupid, really. Like that. It was, but it's just that spur of the moment adrenaline. Like everyone else is like, run, run. I'm like, all right, go, and I just like kicked, yeah. and then I paid for it. I think, <laughs> like, ooh, maybe that wasn't such a healthy thing to be doing, having walked for the last five hours pretty much and hardly run a step. How, anyway, how many? How do you manage yourself over a distance? Like yeah. over that distance, what do you? What was your I sort of nutrition? It, I, I actually strategy? found it really easy. Like I honestly found it really easy, and that sounds terrible, but everyone had warned me about the night and the getting the weird hallucinations and hearing things and half falling asleep like we just didn't have that we just partly because i hadn't oversapped myself i felt fresh didn't really get on the you know we had all this caffeine but didn't need it I, for some reason the night 
it was cool it was calm it was peaceful it was like embracing nature we saw a couple of wombats it's just so cool i'll caveat that with we also had a lot of loud 80s soft rock music playing <laughs> like so we just turned it into a like guns and roses bon jovi dance-a-thon and that lasted about did you still have your walkman <laughs> we'd upgraded to sort of a you know a bluetooth speaker at this point but yeah it was just the best time it was really fun and obviously if you're hurting and you're half injured and something's gone wrong it would be terrible mm. thank goodness my body was good i can't i, I tr- my nutrition so i you know i shouldn't say this but I will my dear mother was never the best cook and i think um she never wrapped me in cotton wool when i was a kid and i think i have a fantastic stomach for a her cooking and b you know apparently when i was a baby she was busy with my brothers and sisters and i was sort of in the back garden eating dog poo and scratching around in the mud and you know and i have and we joke about it right but i have i've grown up with no allergies an amazing immune system it's all down to the fact that my mum was too busy because her, her old my older siblings were running her ragged and i was just left to fend for myself and scrap her out it's true i, mean, I think so i you know i hear lots of people really good runners who who struggle in every second or third marathon when they just can't stomach gels and they're not getting stuff down right i've never i've never had that nutritional problem i could i could, I could eat anything anytime so that's a massive mm. help right for so yes yeah, so the nutrition yeah. was easy it was just like just just yeah let's get that down let's have some soup oh, i'm not that fussy i would have eaten anything i didn't get even on the for the 100k i can just sit and do energy gels for seven hours like it doesn't bother me which I don't wow. think many, you know, I don't switch. I mean, different oh. flavors, but I will sit on one energy gel brand and just smash those down every 20 minutes for seven hours and not mm. go stomachs puking. And yeah, so I'm very lucky. I don't know. But I put it down to my mum's terrible cooking. I believe they call that the biome <laughs> with the dirt and everything yeah. like that. Yeah, that's right. It's a thing. It's I had a spider. Yeah, there's so many stories. You know, I had a spider hanging out. My, apparently, I ate a spider one time. My sister's come in and I've got this spider hanging out my mouth. She's freaking out. And then my mum took me. I know we're going off topic here, but my mum took me to the doctor one morning covered in red sores. And she's like, I don't know what's happened to him. He must be allergic to something. And they went through this long list. And then eventually they got to, did you cut the grass the weekend? And yeah, not only did she cut the grass, but what she would do is every time she emptied the, the grass cuttings into the wheelbarrow, she put me on top of them, like in my nappy, to wheel me up, to wheel the grass cuttings to the end of the garden, to put them in the sort of compost bin and, and then wheel me back again. Like she couldn't leave this baby while she was cutting the grass. So I was in with the grass cuttings and the dog poo. Hey, that's all cool. <laughs> yeah, there's many stories like that. I'm very lucky. And it's led, it's led to resilience and a great immune system. Yeah. And some good yeah. <laughs> do you just sort of, do you do anything, or, you know, to keep yourself healthy and injury, relatively injury free? Is that, are there things, yeah. special things that you do um, um, to be still running as fast as you are? You know, yeah, look, I, I honestly 40s? think it's hard to know because it's all, it's, it's relative. So I can only tell by what I look at other people. I mean, I don't drink much to be honest. And I, I'd say that, that must have helped right because i just recover like mm. so i don't drink after a race i just don't enjoy alcohol so much anymore so i don't actually drink much um so i think my body's repairing itself rather than fighting you know alcohol which yeah. is fair enough you know i just i stop it's, it's not well how i relax I, mean, I will go out and i will drink but i don't drink a lot i think that helps yeah. i do prioritize my sleep i think that helps um i actually just don't smash myself in training as well and that's something i probably 
just picked up seven or eight years ago when I started running with a, with a group of other strong runners. I'd see people beating me in training, not beating me, but, you know, mm. we'd run the same sessions of people mm. who were roughly my pace and they'd always push that extra 3%. And I started to see them getting injured. And then I also started to see that you've got to be so careful, right? I, I've been doing ultra running, so I might have run 60K on a Sunday if I'm training for a big ultra race. And we'd go and do interval sessions on a Tuesday. And I've got to back off, right? These guys haven't run 60K on Sunday. And you could get frustrated thinking, oh, I've got to keep up with those dudes. I've got to keep up with them. But that's the way you get injured. Whereas I would just go, you know what? I'm, guys, what did you do on Sunday? Oh, yeah, I did 12K. I did 18. Some did 20. I'm like, yeah remind yourself you've done 60 so that's the danger of not having a coach not following you know wanting to run with friends and, and jump in on inter interval yeah. sessions with other it's a lot easier to run with other people fast like it's hard to do them on your own so i would mix up what i want to do in my training versus trying to run with other people if that makes sense mm. but i would be mm. I, I i stopped running with my running crowd on monday recovery runs because i'm realizing these are not recovery runs they might be recovery runs for them but some of them are faster than me and some of them are not, they're five and 10K runners. They're not They're not doing marathon training on Sunday. So my legs are shot for my long sun, Sunday long run. I just need to go and plod at my own pace. Subtle yeah. things, right? I mean, just little things. And then as I got older, I just started, I, I made myself have a, a rest day on like, so Fridays were days off. I'm having a non-running day and I might do some strength work or bits and pieces, but I'm not going to be the, I need to run 365 days a year and I've got this, this sort of running streak of not having a day where I haven't run, you know, there's all that stuff. I'm like, I'm getting old. Let's get sensible about it. So just bits and pieces. Mm. I, think. I think it's the combination of all those one percenters getting on a foam roller, having some nutrition bits and pieces. Yeah. I think it's, I know there's one thing, right? I think every little thing that you do well, they all stack up mm. because you, I think most of the people who are running well at our age, a did, you know, cause let's remember I've run a marathon every year since I was 21. So most people, who are running well in their late 40s it's often because they didn't start running until they're 30 35 they haven't got 25 yeah. years of smashing their legs but but i didn't really run as a kid and i didn't get any acl injuries playing rugby and you know like i i was injury free from my other sport which helps and um i just don't think i ever i, I think i've always undertrained because i've always been i'd rather be able to run than go and try and find that extra 10 second PB. And I know that sounds a bit weird, but again, when I look at my peers, I see some of them flog themselves, flog themselves, flog themselves, get injured. And I was, I've always been mm. a bit nervous. I don't want to get injured. I don't want to overtrain. I'd rather do less and get to the start. Like, mm. You know? Yeah. So that seems to have worked. Right? I, I think about Marty Luke's, I had a conversation with him a few weeks back and he was telling me, it, these these people were savages. They 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 were just and again there was a beauty to it, right? They were young and they just got after it. And they they one of his mates blew up on some. It was like a two hundred and something kilometer week, you know. And yeah. he hasn't run since. It'd been twenty years, and he ended up like Marty said he was in a field or something. Like he pretty much, I think he had a combination yeah. of a physical and psychological yeah. crises at that point, <laughs> and he ended up. He was something was happening to him, and he was in the field, and he hasn't run yet since. It was yeah, just his. Exactly. And you, you're so right. It's like what, what would you rather? Like, yeah. I think that's the hardest thing is reminding yourself about what your life situation is. Right. So I've got kids. I've got a corporate job. There's only so many hours in a day. So don't compare. My, and obviously, when you're on social media and you're on Strava, you start going, "Oh, the guy I'm racing against." 
they're doing this and they're doing that. But I'm going, but they haven't got kids. They're running coaches. Yeah. They run with their clients all day and they're doing 200K a week. Like, that's not a benchmark. Like, what don't, and it's getting, sometimes you've got to go, just don't worry about what other people are doing. You know, like there's a bit of that, right? We struggle a little bit with that. We, we can see transparency of what everyone else is doing. So we've got to be really careful not to get caught up in what other people are doing. Do what works for you. Yeah. You know, I've always, yeah, I've always, and I always want to enjoy running. So I don't want to run too many Ks and start doing, I've generally run 100K a week, which is a lot to a lot of people. But to, yeah, people I race against are running 200K a week and they're beating me and fair enough, but they're doing double the Ks that I am. That's a lot of extra hours. So I've always just thought, you know, I'd rather enjoy it. I don't ever want to get bored of running and get stale and think, God, I've had enough. I really don't want to get out and run. Like pretty much every time I go for a run, I'm ready to go for a run. I, I want to go for a run. Whereas I just didn't want to get to that point of it becoming a chore because I'm trying to get better. Mm. I, I'd rather leave something in the tank, to be honest. That's, that's just mm. that's what I think has helped me last so long and still enjoy it and find mental, you know, like you got to be mentally fresh as well and not race too often. It's such a great outlook. Oh my goodness me. And, and you know, on that, you've been really generous with your time with us and we really appreciate it. And look, Andrew, we'll ask you the question to, to wrap up that we ask everyone who comes on Dirt Church Radio and that's, Andrew Hayden, what's been your greatest run ever? Yeah, I'm really struggling with that one. I don't have one answer. So how long have I got on this one? But yeah, there's so many. <laughs> I just have every category, right? There's a greatest race because it's the the best result and the best effort. There's places, you know, I think some of my greatest runs are just in nature, in the moment, on a training run, but just their smell and the air and the temperature is just awesome. So there's this, there's a sort of this... I can't pinpoint one. Like I don't, I've been running for so long. I can't go. That was the best race. That was the most exciting run. So, I mean, if I'm going to say it, I would just pick Co- Coast to Cozy because it's the freshest one in my memory. And I loved standing on that beach as the sun came up. They had the Aboriginal smoking ceremony. That was the best start to a run I can remember in a long time because I was so nervous for the first time in a long time about what was going to happen. I didn't know where I was going to end up. So I really enjoyed that journey and it was it's the longest run i've ever done so <laughs> but yeah so i think that sort of ticked the boxes for for many reasons um yeah wicked brilliant thank you so brilliant. much yeah thank you so so much for i mean this you've dropped some real um, wisdom there as well and it's also yeah, been fun so fun. really really appreciate no, having you pleasure. nice to meet you guys i guess what we call that virtually i guess we call that virtually over the radio but yeah, yeah. no really nice to meet yeah. you i'm really good to chat to you guys and yeah it's been, it has been really fun and that's that's half the battle we're running right keep it fun and life we've got to keep it fun keep, keep it smiling fun. and find a way to make things fun I like it how people sort of dropped uh, to their knees. I can't, to, I keep to, thinking to, of to the, receive his benediction. I keep thinking of his neighbours looking out the windows aghast as the kids rolled out the toilet paper. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, thank, <laughs> some sort of big like flex, like we're yeah, rich. we have so much toilet paper, we can do this with it. Um, <laughs> thank you, Andrew. That was a great conversation. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, and and well, yeah, just great insight on training, life, and 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 everything in between. Yeah, as Eugene said, thank you, Andrew, and thank 
you all very much for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on all the podcast platforms. Like and subscribe if you fancy. And you can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio.com. Don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can go and have a look at them on our website too. Um, but after you've done that, got some inspiration, send them into us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Running, Further Faster, and Cielli. Thank you to our Patreon patrons, Wild Things, Currens, and thanks to our editor, Kieran. Stay tuned next week. We've got another great show lined up. Matewa. Thanks, Rippy. <laughs>